Good morning and welcome back to the Legal Queen podcast. I release these episodes every Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday at 6am. In only two months, guys, we have grown to 10,000 monthly listeners. Wow, blows my mind. And I just wanted to say thank you so much. I get hundreds of messages every day saying how much this podcast is helping people. So if I could ask whatever application you may be listening to this on, Spotify, Apple, Amazon or anywhere else, if you could please give me a five-star rating, it will really help push the podcast so that we can help even more people. My goal is to be reaching 50,000 monthly listeners by the end of the year and you guys can directly help me achieve that. Anyway, enjoy the following episode. Evening, everybody. How are we? Good evening to Andrea Brave, H Energy and Missy. Hello, Missy and Sue. So let's kick off. I've got Brave with me right now. Brave, whenever you're ready, what's your question? Hi, Legal Queen. Hello. Um, I just wanted to know what are the documents required to be sent as a litigation person 14 days before the hearing? I've got written down a questionnaire, chronology, mortgage, borrowing capacity, um, housing specifications or options, form H, and a position statement. Yes, that's it. So all of that you will have got from your pack, Brave, that the court sent you. So if you just go through the paperwork that the court sent you and just tick off as you prepare those papers. And is the position statement similar to the C25 or... No, no, the position statement is your position. What it is that you are looking to achieve, what help you need the court to give you. So what order are you looking for? What your position is? What I'm looking for. Yeah. And this must be sent to the court and to uh, Yes, yes. Whatever you send to the court, you must also serve on the other side. So on the other side. Yeah. Lovely. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks, Brave. Bye. Ali, I'm going to invite you up to the stage now. I'm also going to come to you. Oh, there we go, Ali. You're on mute. So if you want to take yourself off mute, what's your question? Hi, Tracy. Hello. Well. I'm good, thank you, Ali. How can I help you? Uh, I did ask that question, similar question, uh, last time when yeah. I came on. Basically, I've got the first FDA. Uh, yeah. I tried to exchange uh, Form E and all the evidence with the missus. Yeah. She's said uh, suddenly she doesn't have a solicitor. She doesn't want to deal with finances anymore. She's sick and tired of it, so she wants to stop. I'm a, I'm the applicant. I made the financial uh, uh, application basically. So now she doesn't even uh, uh, read. The, I'm sending her emails for the FDA to exchange uh, documents before the FDA in September. She's not reading anything. She stopped communicating that. So I don't think she will turn up at the uh, first uh, FDA. Okay. What do I do in this situation? If I keep on sending her email, is that okay or is that going to be harassment? Is this for finances, Ali? Sorry, I missed the first bit. Is it for finances or it, children? It is, yeah, it's for finances, financial remedy call okay. I'm going for. Okay, that's fine. So what generally happens is if they're not engaging and they don't turn up for the first appointment, the court will adjourn. So they will always give them a little bit of leeway, a little bit of sort of the benefit of the doubt and they'll adjourn, okay? Which means that your matter will be relisted for three months time. Um, The court will not keep adjourning. Eventually, they are going to make an order in her absence. Um, Your second question, if I keep emailing her, is that harassment? I would probably, I mean, as solicitors, we would chase every 14 days. So that wouldn't be seen as harassment, really. 
Um, and of course, what you can do is then tentatively say to the court, look, am I likely to get any costs that I've incurred because she's simply not engaging? You have a right to have your financial order dealt with. You really do. Um, so, you know, you, you can ask the court for, for costs. We generally don't get them in family law unless like in your instance, somebody is deliberately not engaging and, and frustrating matters. But that's typically what's going to happen. Okay, Tracy. And a second thing is basically she's trying to block the divorce. Uh, she doesn't want to divorce me. I did mention that before. So she put a D11 stay in February. She's blocked me and uh, she's trying to delay every process, basically. Uh, so even if the financial, which she won't turn up at the financial, because she knows that it's 13 months, I haven't still got the final order paper. So because of that reason, she's trying to drag it out as much yeah. as possible. So how do I actually explain to the judge, look, I'm not getting my final order paper. She's not going to yeah. turn up yeah. the financial remedy call. I'm stuck. Yeah. Well, you won't be stuck because once you get before the judge and you explain about the divorce as well, the court's going to list the divorce for a short hearing. So again, it's good that you are in the system, Ali, because eventually you are going to get both your divorce and your financial order. Better to be in the system and have the judge um, help you than trying to negotiate and just waiting on her. So all, all I would say is that when the other side frustrates, it just requires some extra patience. Um, it may turn from nine month process into an 18 month process, but you will get there in the end. Okay. Okay, thank you very much. Tracy. You're welcome. Pleasure. Bye-bye. Um, for those of you that are listening and are in Ali's position, um, that's more common um, than not. I've had a chat with two clients today who are both in the same position as Ali. And eventually the court will um, tire of the other side not engaging and they will do everything that they can to get the matter out of the court system, generally because there are so many applications um, in the court system. Um, David, I'm going to come to you next and I want to say hello to Erin. I see you bobbed in, Erin. Thank you for joining us again. David, what's your question? Um, hello, yes. Hello. Hopefully an easy one. Um, I am, I'm, I'm, a high, I'm a high earner um, and my uh, other half have, have agreed um, to go 50-50 on um, kind of the, um, with the kids. Yeah. The, the concern I've got is she's asking to be put down as um, kind of the sole person for um, child benefit, um, which I'm, you know, I'm not, I have no problem with you know, her claiming, claiming the benefit, but um, I'm concerned that at some point she, could, she potentially could ask for child maintenance after that because she's down as having benefits, even though I know that in general 50-50 is kind of, you don't, you don't do that. But I have heard some stories that if they're down as the person claiming child benefit, that um, I would then be liable because I'm because I'm a high earner. Um, I'm not really confident to answer a question about CMS, David. I'll be completely honest with you. Um, that that stays firmly with CMS. However, from a family law perspective, it doesn't really come into it. So the fact that um, whether she's getting the child benefit or the child maintenance or, or whatever she's getting, it won't impact upon any financial remedy. So so don't worry about that. If Right. let's just say that there is oh and missy's just telling me that Anne is live on discord this evening so she'd be able to help with the cms question but if there was any ambiguity as to where the children lived i.e you say 50 50 and your ex says actually no they live with me then in many cases we will pause the finance matter 
and we will sort out the children's matter first so that we can get it in writing that actually it's a 50-50 divide. But don't, don't, be, don't be too concerned about who gets child maintenance if you're worried about the financial order because one has no impact on the other. Okay, thank you. And that, that is definitely something I'm slightly concerned about because yeah. um, in reality, because she worked shifts, the, the chances are I actually will have them for slight, the slight majority of time. Got you. Um, but yeah, that that's that's not so, I, and that's not something I know that she will acknowledge at this yeah. point. Yeah. But in in reality, that's what's going to happen. Is that yeah. something that I would ha- would actually have to happen first for me to then evidence that that's true? Or? I think if I was in your position, David, I would be going to the CMS, or I'd be asking Anne actually because she's listening to all of this. Even if right. me and my ex share the children fifty fifty. If I am a high earner, will I have to pay her child maintenance? Because, again, I'm not familiar, but I think once you get the answer to that question, that will then help you to to decide how you move forward. Because even if you get a court order that says you have them shared care 50-50, but actually CMS then say, because you're a high earner, you're still going to pay her money, um, then it's pointless us getting a a court order for 50-50, isn't it, really? Um, so I, I would want to get an answer to that question first before I decided anything else. Okay, no, that's really helpful. Thank you very much. Not a problem. Thanks, David. Bye. Bye. Um, eight, Cleo, you are up next. And if you heard any of that and you're able to just, because um, I'd be interested in that myself, actually, um, maybe you could um, share it with us on, on TikTok. Hello, Cleo. How are you? Hello. Hello, I can hear you. Yeah, what's your question? Brilliant. So I'm going through, I'm currently going through child arrangements. Yeah. Um, my ex-partner is a litigant in person. I have a solicitor. Um, I raised domestic abuse throughout the proceedings. So they put us through for a fact-finding hearing. Yeah. And I have um, ordered us to do a squat schedule. So I've done my squat schedule with the to exchange on the 8th of May. He didn't, I sent mine over, he didn't send his over. He gave an excuse as he had technical issues and he would have his documents ready by the end of the evening. End of the evening didn't happen. Then the following weekend, he didn't send it over. It's now uh, two months down the line and he still hasn't sent his in. So I did a C2 application to say he's wasting time um, I was trying to offer child arrangements beforehand, etc., etc. Can the courts penalise him for not handing in his documents and essentially wanting to see what I had written first before he could then make a response? Well, let's think about what a Scott schedule is for, first of all. Because you've raised allegations of domestic abuse, the court then wants to sort of try to get to grips with the issues. So the Scott schedule is your opportunity to list all the examples of actually what happened. So to give all the instances of of the domestic violence that you suffered. He is then afforded an opportunity to respond to that Scott schedule. And then you both yeah. go back to court and the judge will read your allegations and his response to those allegations. And the court will then determine if actually they need to go to trial to test this evidence. And that's called a fact find. So yeah. if you've done your Scott schedule and he hasn't done any replies, there's every likelihood. I mean, he's weakened his case, hasn't he? Because he hasn't replied to your allegations. So yeah. essentially... Yeah. 
there's every opportunity the court's going to list it for a fact find because if you've raised allegations, we can't move forward with child arrangements until the court's satisfied that any order it makes for child arrangements is going to be safe. And it can't do yeah. that without hearing from him or having a fact find hearing. So there's nothing really for you to do, Cleo. You just need to sit back, wait for the next hearing and see what the court decide, really. Okay, because I know at the moment um, we had a section, well, through FACAS, there's a section 47 and uh, it came back clear, everything was fine, but they came back saying that he wasn't allowed any unsupervised visits. Um, My son's scared of him, I'm scared of him etc and then he's repeatedly reported me to social services he's reported to me various different places which i believe he's trying to um destroy me basically um but yeah i guess i just need to wait then and see what the court says but yeah i wouldn't they wouldn't look at it and say okay because he hasn't responded we would just go by what she's saying we would still have to go through for a fact find potentially it depends on the allegations that you've raised and the seriousness of those allegations yeah okay all right okay thank you so much you're welcome thanks bye um thank you uh, Anne, for coming back to me so david you're still in the audience and Anne says If it is 50-50, CMS would not open up a case. There would be no paying parent or receiving parent. So, David, I hope that helps. I think what Anne is saying is that actually it doesn't matter if you're a higher earner. Um, If it's a 50-50 matter, CMS would not open up a case. So, thank you, Anne, for that. Um, Lyd, you are up next. Whenever you're ready, ask me your question. Hello. 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 Basically, my partner is going through a child arrangements order um, to see his daughter more. They went to court and were ordered to do child inclusive mediation and they went to their first meeting. Following their first meeting, um, we had his daughter over for the weekend um, for a day visit. And after that, um, I had a message from his ex-partner saying that she had accused my partner of placing his hands on her, essentially. Um, and causing her harm, to which they were saying that they were going to go to the police about. Um, We haven't heard anything about that since then, but we cancelled all all day visits with her going forward, um, just because of the risk for her to make further allegations, and because obviously her mum has shared a concern that my partner's been aggressive or violent towards his daughter. and now we're being refused even FaceTime contact, so contact over the phone. Um, because we've asked to move the court date sooner, I'm just wondering whether the court will look down on the fact that we are having no contact with his daughter. So the court's priority, Lid, is, is always that the child have a relationship with both parents. So if anybody is blocking that relationship from taking place with no good reason, then yes, the court take that very seriously. And they will want to know why um, the person stopping the contact thinks that's a good idea or a good move. Um, so yeah, that, that will certainly be questioned at the return date. Okay, so in the sense that we've stopped the day visits because of the allegations you made, yeah. that will presumably look negative on our part no no it'll be questioned but of course if you if you have a good reason as to why you stop the visit and that's accepted Mm -hmm. by the court then that's fine 
but it will be questioned. Okay. So, so I think your question to me was, you know, will the court, you know, want to know why? Um, are they going to look down on that? It was, it will be questioned. But if you've got a good reason as to why you've stopped contact, then you'll be fine. Okay. All right. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Lid. Bye. Bye. Um, Ed, you are next up. Whenever you're ready, ask me your question. There we go. Hello, hello, hello Ed. Hi. How are you? Hey, very well yourself? Yeah, not too bad. How can I help? Sorry, yeah, go to it. So, um, just four things really. Yeah. Um, done a fact find. Done a fact find. Done section seven. You've got the section seven hearing uh, this week, should we say? Yeah. So, um, first thing being, uh, I've just come to realise in the court bundle for these fact finds. There's numerous amounts of information missing. So there's two of my statements uh, and two of my applications and one court order that is missing from the court bundle. Now that court bundle was used um, to determine what's going on in, in the in the in the fact find, but then it's also been used in the section seven report. How do I approach this in the court hearing just to know that this is this is this has happened and that I feel it's had a bearing impact on the outcome of the of, of the, the findings and the section seven report. Yeah, I mean if there's documents missing, Ed, that have already been filed with the court, you might have to file what we call a supplementary bundle. So is the other side filing the bundle? Do they have the responsibility to do that, Ed? Yeah, so yeah. I'm the applicant and they're the, they're, they're the I do believe the respondent has the one who come up with the uh, the bundle, only because there's a new bundle going in this week that I just received today, and it's the same text and everything else. And I do recall my sister acting on my behalf at the time, stating that he got the respondent to make the bundle. Um, so, yeah, I'm not trying to say that they, they've so so what you need to do is send them that information and say please add this to the bundle and refile the bundle and if they don't do that then you take it upon yourself to file a supplementary bundle giving the court an explanatory email just just a cover note to say that actually in the matter of this case number blah 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 in the matter of the child or the children these documents need to be added to the bundle for the hearing on Thursday the 24th of, of or whenever it is do you know what I mean um but yeah, you you, 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 in relation to them to the, the the fact find bundle, is that is that is that shit sailed? So it, I can't really go back to that, can I? Not if the fact find hearing has been had. No, that that if that's no. been had, then then no, you can't go back to that now. The decision's been made. Right on the final outcome. Yeah. Could I appeal? Do you think I could? I have good grounds to appeal because there hasn't been a fair and robust process followed throughout the whole entire. I mean. Um, you know, when it comes to matter of appeal, you need to get some legal advice. But if you were to ask me about an appeal, the first thing I would say to you is, why was that not noticed when the fact find was taking place? How come those documents weren't noticed then at that point? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, oh, well, you know, all their own goal, but that, it's something I probably should have picked up on and brought attention. But I do believe, you know, the, the court clerks, you know, the, the, the respondent, there's plenty of professional eyes on this that should pick yeah. up yeah and then yeah, and then and then the second question i would ask um is if we were to go back in time and we had that information would it actually have any impact on the decision the court made and again i wouldn't know the answer to that without actually considering the papers so a couple, okay. you know with regard to the appeal ed that that is definitely something you need to take some advice on 
because we would need to yeah, read the papers and, and have a look at that because obviously it's expensive you know um to to yeah, appeal yeah. a decision and if actually it's not going to have any bearing on the outcome at all then you wouldn't want to do it sure um thank you the next one is uh there's been fabricated information known known fabricated information added into the um into the statements that have been made uh, scott and scott reports and um, the, the person that's you know, the respondents put this in there, known for a while they're not true to, to the accounts. So I've known this, and she's also then tried to rely on this information in the, in the Section 7 report. Now, I've just come with a receipt of another report from the police that I've asked them to do, and within that, it very much counters what she's saying. So she's taken a split hypothetically, like I was supposed to do, I'd send some uh, detectives around to her house. Uh, and she's saying that I've been telling people to try and locate her. When actual fact, there was two police officers, and the police officers said actually it probably was us. And she's even told the police officers, and it's recorded within this report that she's admitted that knowing that I have had nothing to do with this. Hypothetically speaking, uh, detectives going around to a house. How would I how would I approach that in the court? That, is, that you know that I I strongly believe there's been. No, so that's that's yeah that that's done that's done Ed at the final hearing under cross examination. So that's where that's when when I when I say to people the court needs to test the evidence. That's what I mean. So under cross examination, her statement would be put to her, and it would be shown that actually what she's what she's trying to, what she's attempting to do is mislead the court because her statements mm. aren't 100% accurate. So you would wait until the final hearing to do that. Okay, I wouldn't do that in this next hearing, will I? No, 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 because there's no opportunity no. To, 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 ch to challenge the other side about statements until we get to the final hearing. Okay. Um, All right. It does mention a part of this fabricated information within her Section 7 report, so could I just hint at it then? And but I don't know why I don't know why she would she's she's mentioned this when she so, has told the police actually that I had nothing to do with this. So yeah. I'm a little bit confused to why she's added that in there. Could I mention uh, that? You, in your statement, I would. I would because you, you you don't want to start raising things like this at directions yeah. hearings. These are these sorts of challenges are all kept for the final hearing. But you would certainly in any in, in any statement that you're allowed to file or given permission to file, you would say that you disagree with paragraph thirty two of the applicant's uh, respondent statement or whatever it is. Do you know what I mean? And you disagree for these reasons. Um, but the actual direct challenge would come at cross examination in the final hearing. D don't try and do it before then. Okay, so I'll leave that now and sit on that until the final hearing. Yeah, then. yeah. Okay, brilliant. Thanks so much. No problem. Again. All right, thanks, Ed. Bye. bye bye. Right, let me move on to lollipops. Lollipops, whenever you're ready. Now, I thought I was going to come on to somebody else, actually. I've got another regular listener who I thought was next in the queue. He may well have, have fallen off. Um, anyway, Lollipops, you're now on the stage. What's your question? Can you hear me? I, I don't can. Have my lines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Clear. I can hear you loud and clear. Um, so, me and my partner um, had his daughter last week. Um, he has um, joint parental responsibility. Um, I left because I had work early the next day, and she's five, and she was all hyper that I was there. Once I left, um, he the police turned up. He got arrested um, by the police, and um, 
basically his ex had put a statement forward to the police saying that he was coercive and controlling um, in their relationship five years ago um, because she'd, bas- she'd been told that he was with every right to have her um, and then the police handed his daughter back to her and she's now refusing to give him any access until they go to court. Um, the case has now been dropped because her statement's been proven to be false. Um, but the court date's quite a while away, so I wondered if there's anything we can do to speed up the process so he can have that access with his daughter again. Right, so you're, you're talking about a court process, Lollipop. Are you talking about the criminal court process or a family process? Family, so... So has he has now... he made an application using the C-100 for contact? Yeah, he has. Okay. Uh, so in answer to your... In against ans- what was previously in place by taking her back and now refusing any contact. So then what he needs to do is to file the C-79 to enforce the existing order. And to answer your question, can we do anything to speed that up? No, not really. If she isn't in agreement to him having contact and there's applications before the court to get contact, you're going to have to wait for the process you know, to, to kick in. So you'll have to wait for the next hearing date is what I'm saying. Okay. Fine. All right. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. It's frustrating, I know. It's difficult. But uh, uh, yeah, that once it's in the court system, there isn't much more you can do. The only other thing would be to maybe attempt mediation, but chances are she's not going to, to want to do that. No. Okay. No. All right. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Lauren, you are next up. I have invited you to the state. There we go. What's your question, Lauren? Hi, yes. Um... Just a little bit of a backstory. I'm asking on behalf of one of my family members. A few few months ago, he was arrested for some um, serious allegations by his wife. And the now being found not at um, no fault found where the police is concerned. However, due to these allegations, he obviously vacated the property through the marital home through no fault of his own. Um, this was two and a half months ago, and she has since changed the locks. She says that the locks were changed because they were faulty, but then later goes on to say you're still not allowed to have a key to the property. Where does he stand with this? His, his solicitor is being quite amicable, but with everything that's been going on, we feel that amicable just doesn't seem to be getting anywhere anymore. We we kind of want to say you, you don't have a legal entitlement to, to do what you're doing. You are excluding him from the property by refusing to give him a key to get to get access to his personal belongings, which he needs in order to go ahead with the divorce proceedings, etc. Um, and also, you know, it's it's not fair that he's been excluded from his property because of the allegations that she's made. Would where do we go from here in terms of basically saying this to her? Is it if she doesn't play ball, do we have to go down an occupation order? Is is that the correct process? I think I think Lauren, if if I was to to sit down with you both, I'd sort of be saying, look, what? Let's focus on the bigger picture. You know, is it yeah. worth arguing about, can I have a key to the property? Can I get back in to pick up my papers? Shall I do an occupation order? When actually what we're really trying to achieve is a financial order. And and yes. I think if he's already moved out and he's already gone, it, it's one of those battles I would let the other side win. Okay, you're not letting me in. You're not giving me a key. Fine. 
he's he's moved out in any event I think Mm. where the focus needs to be is on the finances and if he can't move forward with the finances unless he collects some personal belongings from the property that therein lies the challenge not necessarily having a key and getting back in back into the property do you see what I mean I would I would sort of pull back a little bit and just focus on that bigger picture yeah yeah I suppose he is struggling because it's things like his pension he doesn't know the information to hand he needs those documents to then be able to go and and do what he needs to do to get statements but he does yeah he does absolutely but I don't think the argument is around can I have a key to get the documents the argument is I want the documents that's it yeah. and that's what he needs yeah. to be pushing for I, I dropped the I dropped the argument about the key and the occupation yeah. order I want my documents and of course if you can't get that through solicitors negotiation whether or not his mm-hmm. solicitors you know being amicable or not it'll have to go to court because he's got every right. right for those documents to be handed back now as solicitors what I would be suggesting is that you know he attend the property on this date for an mm-hmm. hour um, this is what he's going to pick up. If she wants to be present, fine. I would be advising my client to bring somebody with them who's impartial, by the way, um, and could act as a witness. God forbid anything happened. Depending on where you live and how much time they've got, sometimes the police will escort while you pick up some belongings, as long as it's only sort of for an hour or more. So if the solicitors can't arrange that and, and, you know, we can't get agreement there, then it would have to go to court because he needs those documents. They are his papers. You know, he's got every right to have those returned to him. Okay, brilliant. Yeah, All that's right. what we were just wondering, you know, where does yeah. this go? Because it keeps feeding letters back and forth. It's got to stop at some point. It's, um, it it has. To let him in to get the documents. Yeah, or, 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 or maybe, you know, she, she's going to provide them all to him. I don't know. But this is where I think sometimes people's legal costs get out of control because we're actually arguing over something that we don't need to be arguing over. Do you know what I mean? All we want is the papers. We don't necessarily want to get into the house. If she's happy to provide a box and leave it at the end end of the driveway, great, we'll pick the box up. Do you know what I mean? Um, So I think that's where the focus should be. Yeah, brilliant. All right. Okay, thank you very much for your help. No problem. Bye. Zara, what's your question? Hi, can you hear me? I can, yeah. How can I help? Hi, so um, essentially, <laughs> um, so essentially, me and my ex-husband are going through mediation for our, um, our infant son, so he's just nine months old. Yeah. Um, and there's been a lot of back and forth. Initially, he was asking for a lot all at once, and all I suggested was, well, obviously, you can have contact. I'd just like to suggest it be a staggered approach. So it's just comfortable for both parties. Uh, and what he's asking for is overnight contact after a period of six months. Yeah. Now, I'm reluctant with overnight because even the hours that I've suggested sort of during the day, sort of quality contact, a couple of hours every other day, is on the reliance that his, so my son's grandmother would be there, so my ex-husband's mum. Yeah. Because I don't feel that my ex-husband is actually capable of looking after the baby. Yeah. Um. And that's not because he's expressed expressed in the past that he has no interest in doing any sort of anything to look after the baby. That's sort of my job. Okay. Uh, that's before baby was even born. He sort of laid out the terms of, right, well, you're doing nappy changes, you're doing that, don't ever ask me to do this or that. Now, with the overnight, I don't even have faith that the grandmother will be able to do that. She has this sort of a condition where she gets ill at times, she has trips and falls through the night. So I'm not reassured. Now... 
he sort of always has the threat of court looming. He's like, I'll take you to court. I'll do this, I'll do that. And I, what I want to know is, if it was to go to court, are these sort of concerns that the court will look at, that a judge will think, okay, but how can I, how can I prove that? So what you've told me so far, Zara, I don't hear any safeguarding concerns. However, I'm not saying there aren't any. It's difficult, isn't it, on this sort of platform to be too detailed. Um, And I wouldn't want you to be too detailed. Um, But what you have shared with me, I wouldn't suggest that we had any any form of, of safeguarding there. Um, Also be very mindful of the fact that if we're allowing daytime contact without mother being present, it might be difficult to argue that we then want evening contact or overnight contact with mother present. Do you know what I mean? Um, Because the court might then say, what's the difference between, you know, daytime and nighttime? Some judges might even go one step further and say, well, daytime's harder because the child's awake and running around and you've got to have eyes in the back of your head. Whereas at least of the evening, they're fast asleep. So I, I would say tread with caution. But whatever you do, Zara, don't be concerned. You know, lots of parents end up in the court system and where one parent blocks contact and actually it turns out they didn't really have a safeguarding concern, like a legal safeguarding concern. There is no repercussions for that as long as that parent is able to accept the court's decision and move forward. So, you know, don't be alarmed if he does make a court application is what I'm saying. It's where you constantly go against court orders, I think you, you've got to be mindful of repercussions. Yeah. So with mediation, what we're trying to do is we're still wanting to legalise, we're still wanting to have some sort of formality there without it going to court. So I think what they said was it was, um, I forgot what well, typically, if, if parents are in agreement to how children, um, where children live and how much time they spend with the parent, it's called um, a no order principle. The court won't make an order if parents are in agreement. What the court generally um, look for parents to do is to put together a parenting plan. So for both of you to sit down and work through a parenting plan together. Now, that's not legally binding, but it does record your intentions as to how you want your children raised. Do you know what I mean? But if you're both in agreement, then the court typically like to step back and let parents get on with co-parenting, you know? Yeah. See, the issue is, I think, prior to this going off in mediation, essentially... um, we had a discussion where my ex-partner said, well, I want to keep him overnight. I sort of disagreed at the time. We all had, we had like a flexible arrangement. It was sort of as and when he felt like taking it. And I didn't disagree at any point. Um, but then he didn't reply when I asked him, when are you bringing him back? And that's when contact broke down. And that's how this whole thing started. Um, in terms of safeguarding, there's one concern that I have, but then it goes into the issue of why the relationship broke down. And I don't know if it would be considered relevant if I was to bring it up or if they'd even sort of consider what I'm saying. Sure. Um, well, well, let me, let, me, she... let me jump in, Zara, because I don't want you to give too much away. And let me give you an example. Yeah. So where we have parents who um, fought, physically fought when they were together and there was domestic violence involved and then they separate... Typically, the court won't um, let that impact child contact. 
as long as they're assured that the child is safe, okay? I think where your issues lie is potentially, we've got some trust issues there because he, you know, maybe isn't communicating with you as you would like, but also there's a lack of routine. And and I think the court would want to see more of a structure, um, you know, to put in place, more so for the child than the parent. So the child gets into a routine of when he sees dad. And I think if we had a routine up and running, and you don't need to go to the court to do that, but if we had a routine up and running and we had some good communication, then I think you would probably be slightly more relaxed and willing to allow some overnight contact. Because if the court can't find safeguarding concerns, it, it will naturally progress to overnight contact. Yeah, so what I might do then is because what he suggested is a one-year plan split up into four increments. Okay. So sort of three months of this, three months of this. So maybe yep. if we could just get started and then could we yep. review it again after the six months? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that's co-parenting, isn't it? I'd review it after the first three months and, you know, have a conversation and say, right, well, these are the issues that I still have. And he might say, well, these are the issues that I still have. And then you go on to the next three months. And that's co-parenting. That's far better than, you know, running off to court. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you, Zara. Bye. Um, S. Patel, I'm going to invite you back up again and see if I can hear you this time. I could hear you sporadically. Oh, Hello. Um, Hello. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How can I help? Oh, well, I've had an eventful 24 hours. Basically, we've had an interim court agreement. Right. But when I went to drop my son off, he refused to go. Okay. And he's also claiming that his mum has been smacking him. Okay. So I brought him back. What? What's the next steps? How old is your son? He's eight. Okay. He's going to be nine. And and do you think this is is this the first time that he's he's made allegations like that? Yeah, and he yeah. made it to an independent counsellor. Okay. of feelings, and he said that he wants to live with me and okay. not his mum. Okay. Um, I I would tread with caution. Um, we have to be mindful of the fact that at that age kids are starting to listen and understand to what each parent's saying. So, you know, it may be, I'm not saying that mum hasn't done um, those things, but it may be, one option is to, uh, that we need to consider, is that the child is getting caught up in that and is now potentially, you know, using the situation to perhaps spend a bit more time with you as opposed to it being true, okay? Now, if it is true, the court's going to want to test that. And, um, you know, he, I would... I would absolutely take some advice. If you have just been given an order within 24 hours and it's been breached already, I think it needs to go back to court and quick smart. All right? Because you don't want to jeopardise your case moving forward. No, the court order has been in place for nearly six months. No, four months really now, five months. Oh. And he is adamant that when he is naughty, his mum smacks him and he hasn't told me He's told an independent counsellor. Okay. And um, so when I took him yesterday, sorry, when I took him yesterday, he just wouldn't get out of the car. And have Kafkas been involved in your process? Kafkas got involved and they did a talk with me and mum. And then at the first Friday hearing, they turned around and said, there's no safeguarding concerns, we're stepping away. So today, the police have come down and talked to me and said, and talked to him, and he talked to the police, and my mum smacks me in the bum, and I don't like it. 
Okay. Um, so they've involved social services now. Okay. I think I, I, I would be encouraging you to get the matter back before the court um, because I think CAFCAS would need to be reintroduced to this and given an opportunity to speak with the child. Okay. By all means, if you've been advised to keep the child with you by social services or, or whomever, that's fine. But if there's an order in place, it's being breached. So, you know, try try if you can we to get... A, sorry, we've got a court hearing on the 27th of September. Okay. We're trying to do an urgent court hearing, but they're saying you might as well wait until September. But my concern is mm. he goes to in two weeks. So what is to stop his mum just picking him up and taking him? Well, nothing. Nothing can, can, can stop, only a court order. So this is why I, I would be trying to get into court before the 27th of September. Okay, and do you think I would be um, in trouble for breaching the court order, but I've done it in the best interest uh, of my son? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that you, you've breached it for good reason, It is is your position right now. However, I think by at least attempting to get the matter into court, you are showing that you are still looking to co-parent. You know, you're not taking the law into your own hands. You know, in the interim period, you are looking to keep hold of your son. However, you recognise that the court do need to investigate this because the matter's before the court. So, you know, we do have to be respectful of the fact that let's get it back before the judge. Um, and I think okay. if, if you look to be doing that, that will stand you in good stead. All right. Okay, no problem, I'll urge my solicitor to yeah. do that. She's I would. saying no way to get involved. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I'm not going to go against a colleague's advice. She knows your case way better than me. Um, but I, I would just always be looking to protect the strength of your case and... You know, but anyway, I'll leave that one with you. Okay. Okay. Thank Lovely. You. You're welcome. Bye. Great. Um, Husky Gamer, I'm going to come to you once again. See if I can hear you this time. You're obviously talking. I can see that you're talking, but I can't hear you. Oh, he's gone. Try again. Uh, Nick, Nick, let's come to you next. Whenever you're ready. What's your question? Hello. Can you hear me? Hello. I can. Yeah. Hi. Um. So basically, uh, I've got many false allegations from, from the respondent against me. I've, I've filed a C-100 form, and, um, and the next step is to go and see a district judge for this matter. Uh, I just wonder, um, do you think during that hearing, if there is no, if there is no uh, evidence I've done any of those false allegations, would I be able to... Um, have a contact with my child or would they be a fact finding after, uh, from there? Yeah, so that, that's going to depend on the allegations being made. So the typical process is that you ask the court for a child arrangements order and your ex mm. says, I oppose that application because there's allegations of domestic abuse or whatever it is. The court will mm. then say to your ex, okay, you make a list of those allegations and then you will respond to that list of allegations. And then it's for the court to decide if those allegations warrant a fact-find hearing, okay? And while all of that's going on, your child arrangements order will be paused. And then once we have an outcome as to whether a fact-find hearing is necessary or the outcome of an actual hearing, then the child arrangements application will pick up again. 
okay? So we'd, right. we'd need to get a list of allegations from your ex, you to respond to those list of allegations, and then we take it from there. I've already done this schedule, um, and as a result, um, you know, the, the, the previous hearing, they said you need to, this case needs to go to the district, district judge. Judge, here. yeah, yeah. Uh, and, you know, uh, they, I haven't done anything, and I know for a fact there's no proof or evidence, so I wonder whether um, they can, you know, after that hearing, I could be able to see that my child, or I still need to wait for the fact-finding at that hearing. As I say, it depends if the court's mm -hmm. going to even have a fact-find. So you need to oh. get through that stage first, and then the court will determine if you can go on and have contact. But those allegations will need to be dealt with first. And um, regarding regarding district hearing, uh, do you think I should, uh, you know, go in as a litigant in person, or or this is something very serious that I need to have a solicitor to attend the hearing? Again, Nick, Nick, it will depend on the allegations that are being made and the responses to those. You know, I've had a few clients where we can categorically show in our responses that the allegations are typically untrue. And then the judge has said, I really don't think we need to have a fact finding here. And in that instance, I've advised my clients to represent themselves and to save some costs. But it will depend at what you're looking at. You know, it depends on those allegations and the strength of your responses. I would probably suggest that you get some advice on that first. Have a solicitor look at your allegations, uh, sorry, the, the allegations and your responses, and then they can advise you accordingly. Okay, thank you so much. You're Appreciate welcome. You. All right, thank you, Nick. Bye-bye. Uh, Daniel, you are next up whenever you're ready. What is your question? Hello. Hello. Uh, you can hear me okay? I can, yeah. Okay, great. Um, so, well, I'll, I'll be really quick. Um, so, I've got a hearing coming up very soon. Um, there's no safeguarding concerns across the board, no, no issues like that. Um, essentially, long story short, I'm going for a joint lives with order. Mum's going for a uh, uh, individual lives with order. However, she's still offering fortnightly nightly visitation. However, again, she's also saying that she's reluctant to give me nights, but still offering it, um, and saying that the children are disinterested in seeing me when they're not. There is a contact arrangement in place at the moment in the interim order, and prior to this, we've had shared care. Um, so it's a, she's a bit, she's quite contradicting in what she's saying. Um, is there any kind of argument or any kind of angle to come at? Because I'm litigant in, in person, I like, I'm speaking for myself. Uh, regarding this, I don't have any representation. So I was, just, I was just wondering what angles would be good to come at, to and what what the courts would say. What would they would they grant a, prefer to grant a joint lives with order over a sole lives with order? How does it go? What are the probabilities? Because there's no safeguarding issues. So or any criminal, there's no criminal conviction. All right, let let me jump in. They're they're going to first of all be concerned with the status quo. So you know, from what you've said, Daniel, your poles apart. You're saying, I think this case is suitable for shared care. She's saying, I don't even think overnight contact is suitable. So you are poles apart at the moment. And what the court's going to look at is since separation, what have the children got used to? What is the routine that the children's in? Now, typically, if shared care hasn't 
um, been the status quo, it may be difficult to get shared care, regardless of the fact that there's been no abuse, no allegations. That that won't be that won't matter. What will matter more so yeah, is we used to have shared care. We used to have shared care. I think it was fifty fifty before. And and when did that stop? So for the last almost year, the position has been non-shared care. So you may struggle. I think as a litigant in person, all you can do is, is argue that in your view, shared care is in the best interest of the children. Explain that when shared care was happening, it worked well and there were no issues and that actually mum is frustrating that from, from happening again. Now, you won't go from no overnight contact straight to shared care. So what you also might want to suggest to the court is how you propose it builds up gradually in order to get back to that shared care position. Always come at it from the um, best interests of the children because that's what the court wants to see. Okay. All right. That makes sense. That makes no problem. Sense. All right, Daniel. All the best. Thanks so much. Thank you very much. Thanks for your help. Okay. Bye bye. Yeah. Um, Husky, I'm going to come to you once again and see if I can hear you this time. Hello. Hello. Oh, there you go. I can hear you. How can I help? It might have caused crashed. Oh, bless you. Okay. Well, I can hear you loud and clear now. So, what's your question? Um, it's a bit, bit of a long one, so I'll put it right down for you. If yeah. I had. A with the birth mum of our shared child, the youngest. Yeah. Um, she had good time to make up with it. Now, she refused to hand over the child back to the support worker last Thursday. She got very emotional. She abandoned the child with the support worker and another child of, of hers whilst in her care. Now, I've breached the order because this seems to be an ongoing problem because there's history of her making threats of abduction. Um, she still has PR, there's no orders in place to stop her from taking him, but the social worker got him back. Now, I've asked for an emergency hearing with the acting judge. Is there any way I can direct this to the judge in a position statement to make it a bit more clear for her, or do I just put why I've cancelled the contact at the present moment? Uh, is your question, how do I get my position statement before the judge? Is that yes, is, Yeah, okay. So you would email it in, simply email it into the court because you won't have the judge's direct email address. And in the subject line, put your case number in big, bold letters. And what happens is when the courts have a hearing coming up, they will literally search by, by case number. And that's how they're able to, you know, gather all the information that's been sent into the court with that case number on it. And that's the easiest way to get your position statement put before the judge. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Thanks so much. Uh, right, guys, we've just about run over, um, so I'm going to leave it there. Um, Lee and Black, you've still got your hands up in the lounge, so by all means, join me again on Thursday at 6 when I'm back again for another Family Law Hour. Um, until then, thank you, everyone, that joined me in Discord. It's so nice when people join and ask questions. Um, so many people get so much out of it, not just the people in the lounge, but also all of those listening on the TikTok. So thank you so much. Um, I'm going to say goodbye, and I'll be back here Thursday, six to seven with more uh, Q&As with the Legal Queen. Thanks, guys. Bye.